I'm a fucking sweetheart, you know? <laughs> like. Hello, folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today, we're talking to Carlos Miguel Gonzalez. Carlos, how the heck are you doing today? Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, the, the day is a little bit cloudy, so I, you, you know, like just looking for that sunshine again. Like, where's my sun? <laughs> You're a sunshiny type of person. Yes, absolutely. I absolutely love sun. I am an islander, so so it's all about that sun. An islander? Which island? So I am from Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah, I'm from Manatee, Puerto Rico. That's like right in the middle of the island, but like up north coast. It's beautiful. Manatee is named after the 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 animal. We have like lots of cute manatees, fountains, and everything around the around town. You have a strong kinship with the manatee, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I love him. Let's expound on that for a second. You have a manatee tattoo. I do. I have a manatee tattoo on my chest. Uh, it's uh, on my like where my heart is. Um, Ever since I like moved to uh, the continental United States, I was talking about maybe doing a manatee tattoo somewhere in my body because you know it like it represents where I come from. It represents my island and uh, definitely my hometown. So, uh, so I finally did it a few years ago, and it's like right uh, right on my chest, right uh, where my heart is, because that's where my heart is. My heart is always going to be in Manatee, Puerto Rico. So you were able to when you were growing up swim around with the manatees i saw i saw one manatee when i was a kid uh like like and i was able to touch it and it was way softer than i thought it was going to be um but you other than that i just like saw them around you know like that didn't really like swim with them there were a few places in puerto rico that you can swim with manatees uh, but like I didn't have like that opportunity of like just being one with them, you know what I mean? <laughs> is is that more reserved for tourists? It is. It is more of like yeah, it's like in the tourist area where like the manatees like gather around and stuff. Um, also, since the manatees were in in danger of extinction, um, like if, you know you couldn't like get too close to a manatee because they were you know, protected and everything. So, yeah. It, 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 but you you got to see them. Like, I got to see them, and it was, like, really pretty. Um, we had we have two kinds of manatees in Puerto Rico. Um, we have just, like, the regular manatees with the round tail. Uh, and then uh, we have a small percentage of uh, the manatees that we have in Puerto Rico are dugons. Which have like a split tail. More th- those were the ones that were confused by uh, uh, by sailors that like they thought that they were mermaids. It's because they had like split tails, and then you know when you're under the water and you look up, you only see like this long figure with like the beautiful tail, and you, you think, oh, it's like a beautiful woman. Plot twist is manatee. It's beautiful <laughs> too, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to laugh at your dad jokes. <laughs> a nickname for the manatee is the sea cow. Yeah. What is that? Is that like a kind nickname? Um, 
I I think so. I mean, they're they're they mostly do what cows do, which is just like eat grass and just like move around, like you know, being packs. So like, it's they basically do the same thing as cows, <laughs> have their little babies and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think I I I don't think it's offensive. <laughs> And they're, they are under the sea. Yeah, so it's yeah. Sea, that part is apt. The Caribbean Sea. Um, that sounds beautiful. I'm kind of jealous. That sounds like <laughs> a lovely place to grow up. Yeah, it's so Puerto Rico is definitely a, a lovely place to grow up because it's, it's beautiful and, you know, like, um, just the culture is, like, amazing. Like, I just, every time I go back there, I'm just like, oh, my God, I miss this culture so much. There's music playing all the time. Um, there's rum everywhere you go. <laughs> um, and, like, obviously, like, the food is just so great and so greasy. I love it. I, I miss that from there. Um, I just did tostones the other day, which is like a Puerto Rican food. It's mashed plantains, you know, like Puerto Ricans love plantains. We absolutely love plantains. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a beautiful place to grow up, um, in that aspect, you know, like the island is beautiful. Like I'm always going to be from the island. I'm proud to be from the island. I'm not proud to come from that government though. (laughs) Cause you know, like some parts of the government and you know, it's like, trying to infiltrate in the culture um, are, like, really misogynistic and, like, machista. And it's, uh, it's, a, little bit, uh, it's a little bit rough. Um, that was uh, also, like, one of the reasons why I, like, I had to move. I, I, just, I was just like, I, I can't be in this island. I love it. But, you know, growing up as a gay... Uh, just very, very gay, very expressive young man. Uh, I was just, you know, I was always trying to find my crew, my group, like somewhere where I belong. And even though there's like a queer community in Puerto Rico, they're still very like attached to that machista mentality. And I was getting really tired of it. I was like, no, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I just, I need something more. I need something like some more open-mindedness in my life, you know? <clears throat> so that was one of the reasons why I was like, all right, like, I'm done with this island. Great. Let's move on. Let's have some personal growth. You talk about machista. What is that? So, um, so in Puerto Rico, in most of Latin American countries, too, um, there's this thing that like people just need to be like as macho as you can, and you know like uh, like even in the gay community there like you know you need to look masculine, you need to look rough. Like if you look anything but that, like you are a loca. So loca is like kind of like fag, you know, but like it's used within the gay community and it's very derogatory towards people who are not who don't fit that like masculinity that like they want you know um and you know parents are like oh my i remember when i was growing up my dad was always saying oh my i my kid is not gonna be a fag because i used to play with my sister's toys and i loved it it was the 90s it was everything was pink and i was living for it um so uh 
Yeah, and, but like my dad, uh, just I remember him just leaving the house, just storming off, uh, angry, just coming back the next day because I I would like grab my sister's toys. Um, so like that 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 is like something very common in Puerto Rico, especially because Puerto Rico is very religious, and that's also you know another like layer uh, that like influenced the machismo in Puerto Rico. Um, and uh, yeah, I just it, it's it's so different. I was just telling a friend of mine how it has taken me a while to get rid of that mentality too, because obviously growing up, I like some of it, you know, like I, I just, I got some of it, some of that machismo. Um, and when I moved here, like I was still very gay and I was still very out there, but you know, I always wanted to look as masculine as possible. So macho, so rough, you know? Um, and little by little, I've been letting that go. Um, and, but I was just telling a friend that it wasn't until like very recently uh, when I was in Provincetown uh, that I just I felt like I really just let go. Like I don't care. I don't care about uh, you know if I don't fit your fucking like macho or like you know rough persona that you want me to fit. Um, I'm so like I I like to be I, I like to be a little bit dominant when I, when I like into sex and all of these things and um, I I mean the leather community which is another thing that's all about like you know looking rough and looking masculine and whatever so all of these things just like you know I was like receiving all of these things from all sides just telling me that I needed to look a certain way or that I need to act a, a certain way to fit that, you know, to fit the, as being a sir or to fit being, like, in the leather community. And after uh, this time in Provincetown, I just, I felt like I, I don't care. Like, if you, if you, if I don't fit your, um, model or mode or whatever of like what a a sir or what a like a rough person should be then you know that's on you that's your lust like I'm still gonna have like awesome rough sex with other people like that's on you you know what I mean <laughs> like uh, you know it, it, other years I was just so concentrating in that and how do I look how do I present myself and what I was doing was just intimidating people. Um, this one time, one person told me, like, oh, you just look really intimidating because you're, like, you're, like, always, like, frowning and, like, trying to look, like, you know, like, rough and you, you look like you're going to punch someone. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to be like that. Like, I don't want people to be intimidated by me because there's nothing to be intimidated, you know, like, about... So, um... So yeah, I and now I just I have my dingly earring which I I love and I was wearing flowy dresses in, uh, when I was in P-town and I was just living my life, you know, and just being happy. Um yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the leather community. Do you want to yeah. talk about that for a minute? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, ever since I was like uh you know, like 18 or whatever, I started, uh, you know, looking at porn. I was like, oh, these guys look really hot with that harness on. Oh, that's, that's really, that's really nice. Um, 
And then I started like meeting people that were older than me and they were like kind of into the leather community. However, in Puerto Rico, we don't really have a leather community because it's kind of taboo because of like all of this like conservative bullshit in Puerto Rico, you know. Um, the gay community in Puerto Rico is just, it's very restricted and I it's just like, uh, it just bothers me. We had an eagle, which is a leather bar. Yeah. And it lasted like three months because people wouldn't go there because no one wears leather. So, so, you know, like I, I uh, it's sad, it's sad. But then I, I came here, right? I came to Vermont and they told me like, oh, there's a leather community here, and I was like, oh, awesome! Yeah, there's a little club called the Green Mountain Leather uh, Green Mountain Leather Club, and I was like, that's great. Let's do things, and we really didn't do things for like two years, uh, or like two and a half years, and you know, after that, I um, I competed for Mr. New England Leather. Um, and I was really young, and they really didn't know what I was doing. But like after that experience of competing there um, and going to Claw, which is a Cleveland Leather Annual Weekend, um, I just, it, it, I was just like, wow! I just, I, this is my people. You know, these are my people. Like everyone is so nice. Like you would think that people are going to be like mean or whatever. Everyone in the leather community is so nice. Like everyone is a sweetheart, and it's just so easy to talk to people. Um, and I was like, I want to put Vermont back in the leather map. So here's what I did. I, uh, came back, uh, from Mates Leather Weekend, which is another weekend that happens in Providence, uh, sorry, Provincetown, Massachusetts. And I was like, I, I, this needs to happen. We need to have a leather club because I tell people like, oh yeah, I'm part of a leather club. And they're like, so what does your leather club do? And I'm like, I don't know, like nothing. Like maybe an event once in a while. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, so I was like, all right, I'm going to take it upon me to put Vermont back in the leather map. And I started doing some research. I started like looking at other leather clubs uh, in New England. I contacted the Bay State Marauders, which is a leather club in uh, Boston. And I talked with Scott Erickson from there. Um, he told me a few he, a few things that you know bit the basics. Uh, like this is how it's structured. Um, he sent me a, few, a lot of messages, like a lot of like emails, really long emails, but like he helped me a lot. You know, I, he even like asked me to go to Boston for a leather history class that he was given. Like, you know, he was like, uh, teaching and I was like, perfect. I'll, I'll definitely be there. And I went to Boston. Um, and I, uh, I took that class. It was great. And after that, he stayed, he's talked to me for like four hours after that, <laughs> Uh, because he loves the leather community. He loves how it's just like, you know, it's very inclusive. Um, and it's just, so, just very nice. And it just, I was just like, that's amazing. I have to create a leather club. I came back here and, um, and I started the, uh, I gathered some people that were like, you, you know, I, I kind of really want to like do a leather club too. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And I sat everyone down, and we established the Green Mountain Bucks. I am a founding member. I am actually the person who, like, led the this, you know, like, 
the, the fire that like ignited this, and I was the first president. Uh, yeah, I right now we are like a year old, so we're not too old. We're young still, but it's going strong. Um, the new president is doing an amazing job. Dave Rushlow is doing great. I'm really proud and really excited about the things that we're doing. Um, and yeah, I just, it, it's, it, the leather community for me is just amazing. And now I have like this baby, which is my leather, cl my leather club. Um, so one thing that like I love about the leather community and this is the thing that I said in one of the one of the contests that I was in was that when I put on my leather, I just feel like I'm putting some armor on, you know, like I just I feel unstoppable when I put my leather on. Like it's not just like aesthetic. I see some people that I call them cosplayers. <laughs> they just like they, they just buy a harness from the store and they're like, look at how cute I am. It is a cute look. It is a cute look. And, and you know, and like that I that I, I I respect, but like for me, the leather is just like just this whole nother world. You know, it's just like it is. I put it on, and it's like I'm putting on a battle armor. Like I can take on the world. Like I am strong. I am, you know, like nothing can turn me down. And it, it's it, it's just it's beautiful, and I love it. I love my community. Uh, I love. Uh, I love the Green Mountain Bucks, and I can't wait to see what we are doing next. We have a few events, by the way. There are like, uh, there's uh, there's an event coming up really really soon, but I think I'm just gonna talk about the event that we have on Pride September. We're gonna do Taste the Rainbow. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a play on word. It, 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 you have to see the the. The uh, you know the, the image that we have for it is a person with a bunch of like uh, hankies, like you know, like colored hankies in his pocket. So you know, it's like a throwback to the hanky coat of the eighties and whatnot. Like we still do that, like with the colors, but we use it in like leather usually. Um, uh, you know, different colors mean different things. Uh, but it was it's really fun. It has it has a bunch of colors. Um, there's like a butt picture and a bunch of colors, and it's just you know, taste the rainbow. Just have fun, enjoy. What's your color? What's your what's your hanky? You know, <laughs> everyone's got a hanky. Everyone does, yeah. <laughs> you may not realize it, but you too have a hanky. <laughs> um, I'm curious about. Um, you said you uh, have been going to Claw, so that's like an annual convention in Cleveland, right? Yes. And you were in Boston, hanging out with some people from the leather community there, right? Yes. Uh, how does Vermont compare to these other leather communities? Um, well, like I said, Vermont, uh, leather club is like, it's like very new and whatever. Vermont is a little bit hard because everyone's just so like spare, you know, like everywhere in the, in the uh, state, like there's, it, it's hard to, since we don't have like a big city, you know, like Boston is a big city, Cleveland is a big city. Like they have like a bunch of people just there that can just go out every weekend, you know. And there are some people that there are some leather clubs that have like uh, a bar night every week. Vermont can't do that. We don't have like that amount of people, and we don't have a, a gay club, so you know we don't we can't be that 
out there and also it's like hard for a lot of people to travel some people tra uh, come to the um to the leather events that we have here travel from Montpelier St. Johnsbury you know like it's it's not as easy um but we're trying it and we're doing it you know like I wanted to get my leather community here at, together and we're doing it there's some people like some like I had to step away from the club for like a minute because uh, there was like I just had a really rough year um, but uh, but since I came back I've noticed that there's like a lot of people <coughs> excuse me um, there's a lot of people that I don't know like I didn't knew that they existed I'm actually talking there's a uh, a neighbor that I have now that's been going to the leather events that we've been posting and he's uh, telling me about like all of these leather puppies that are everywhere in Vermont I'm like I didn't knew we had leather puppies in Vermont that's amazing like I only thought there was just the one <laughs> um so so it's it's just being it's being really great and like gratifying to see that um a lot of people are like coming out uh you know and like just not being scared like you see like when we post an event like some people are like oh I really want to go to this but like I'm not sure like it's my first leather event and we're like just come out we're we're here for you like we're we, we the worst thing that can happen is that we can give you a really big hug and like just <laughs> snap a rip or something <laughs> you know like we're we're here to give love and to spread love and just to make people feel comfortable with their sexuality you know um <clears throat> a lot of people have like different kinks and they're like oh i'm like scared like i like i'm ashamed of this part of my life or like this kink and we're like no 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 you don't have to be like we're here to celebrate it you know we're here to celebrate your case and it's just it's it's been great like lots of people are, are coming also with like different kinks that are not only uh leather but you know like just like all sorts of colors of the hanky you know <laughs> so um it, it's just it's just been so great to see people embracing uh their true selves um and i just get so happy every time it happens um you mentioned a term that I'm not super familiar with and I wanna ask you about sir what's a sir right so so if BDSM stars stands for um uh bondage dominance uh is sadomasochism um so there's a lot of role play in the leather community, right? And there are some people that take different roles um, in bed or in the dungeon, in this case. <laughs> um, a sir is a person who is usually more dominant, you know, uh, likes to take control of the situation. Um, and they're usually looking for someone to submit to them. Like a boy, a puppy. Um, there's the relationship with with the mas master and slave, which is like kind of like uh, similar, but it's more more of like its own thing. Like for a sir, like I can be so. Like for example, I've I've had a boy before, and uh, 
my role was just, you know, like he would submit to me. I would tell him, do this, do that. He would do it because his sir told him to, you know? Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know how to, how to explain, <laughs> I don't know how to explain, uh, how to explain that much. It's just like that dynamic, you know, of like power. Like this person has more power than this person, but it's like a thing that it's not, it's, it's something that both people have consent of. You know, like, they're both like, all right, so, like, this is going to be my role. This is going to be your role. They're both okay with it, you know. Like, I'm not stepping all over, over anyone, you know. And I'm also, I'm also very, a really, really nice sir. Like, I will make sh sure that you are comfortable with everything that I'm doing, you know. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to, like, stop being dominant. Uh, but I won't hurt you. You know, I won't do anything that you don't want me to do, you know. Um, it's just, we're just playing. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and, yeah, it's, it, it, I've, I know a, a lot of other sirs. Uh, I had a sir for a while, and he was a great sir, I think. Like, you know, there's, uh, uh, I would submit to him, uh, and he, you know, we would have fun. We would have fun with floggers and, like, some, like, uh, sadomasochism uh, stuff. But then he was always, like, you know, making sure that I was okay and comforting me. And I think that's really important that, that for a sir to do. Like, there are some people that think that this dynamic or this role play, it's an excuse for them to just do whatever they want. I've had people who have come to me telling me, oh, I've just had my first BDSM experience and this guy that I was with was just being too rough. I told him to stop, you know, and they, they didn't. Or like, I told him to stop and they stopped, but they would then try it again. And I was like, all right, well, that's not, that's not what the leather community is about. Like, absolutely not. Everything we do, we do with consent, you know, everything. Like, it, and that is also a thing that is very present when we go to CLAW. It's in the rules. Like, there's like rules, like, uh, you can't, uh, you can't touch like, a puppy's tail without permission. You can't talk, uh, touch a puppy's color without permission. You know, like, like you have to have consent f for everything. Sometimes the sub uh, willingly gives consent, uh, gives their consent to, like, their sir. You know, like, I will do whatever you want. So if I want to, like, fool around with a puppy or fool around with a boy, I have to, like, ask their master to ask for consent, you know? Because they gave their consent to, like, you know, their sir. Um, so, like, I asked for consent from their uh, handler, like, can I fool around? Can I play? And they decide yes or no. Um, there's also, you know, sometimes this is taken out of the, the bed or the dungeon, and it's just very subtle. But it's it's really fun. Like uh, when I had my sir and my boy, um, I w I used to cook for my sir. Like he was like Cubby. He used to call me Cubby. Uh, that's how I got my name, Sir Cub. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, he, would, he used to he'd say like Cubby. 
here, help me cook, do this, do that, and I will do it for my sir, you know? But after I was cooked, after everything was cooked and everything was done, it was my time to relax. So I would call my boy, boy, give me a drink, I'm so tired, <laughs> you know? So like, just subtle things. I'm not like, like forcing them to do anything, just like asking, like, give me give me this give me that you know and they will do it to please their sir like he would do it to please my to please me and i would do things to please my sir um so yeah it 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 can be like very subtle too like that and it's i i just think it's fun you know um so <laughs> i want to talk about the <laughs> the sir cup thing because like some people have like asked me like why is that your name that's really interesting um so i when I was with this, uh, with my sir and my boy, there were a couple, there are a couple still. Um, I was a sir to one of them, but then I was like, you know, cubby for the other one. Um, so one started calling me cubby, one started calling me sir, and I was like, well, I'm like in this weird middle point, like, you know, like I don't, so I just decided like, oh, sir cub is like, is is a is a great name. My uh, my boy started calling me Sir Cub too, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. That describes exactly who I am because I'm like in that you know, I, I'm yeah. You I, know what it's reminding me of? What? Britney Spears. Uh, I'm not a cub, not yet a sir. <laughs> I don't know. Is that is that relevant? Is that... I mean, like I guess it's relevant. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I I never thought about that actually. Well, <laughs> but like like yeah, I'm like. I, the, in between. Yeah, it's like that like mm-hmm. gray area. Sure. That I I've been really comfortable with, you know, because I do like my boys and I do like my puppies. Um but if I find a good sir, I'm not gonna say no. You know what I mean? Like like I'm not gonna pass that opportunity. <laughs> um so yeah, and, and you know, like I'm like short. And I'm young, and I'm also very nice. So, so Sir Cup is like, it, it implies dominance because of the Sir part, but it also implies that I'm, you know, I'm approachable. <laughs> like a widow bear cub? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for filling us in on the origins of your nickname. Oh, you, you're very welcome. I, I just... Yeah, I have people asking me all, all, all the time, and I'm like, well, that's it. Here you go. You're welcome. Don't have to ask again. <laughs> what are a few other things folks should know about you? Other things that people should know about me, um, I, I'm a barista. I used to work for the Price Center. That, you know, like I, I used to work for um, HIV prevention and... Um, the Price Center was like a great like resource when I first moved here because when I moved here, I didn't have like money. Like I just I moved here with two hundred dollars in my pocket. I was like I need to escape this island, and uh, I wanted to move to Montreal, but you know didn't happen. There was like a lot of barriers and whatever. So I was like you know I'll move to Vermont. It's close enough. Um, and then I came here and. You know, it was um, Price Center just like helped me with connect with like um, other gays and uh, from the area, and that really, really, really helped me to just build my network and just 
start from there. And you know, I've been living here for four years, and it's it's been great. Um, I already said I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit also about my um, experience being a person of color. It, you know, like queer person of color mm -hmm. in Vermont specifically. Yeah. <coughs> um, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, one thing that I really wanted to like, you know, mention is like, you know, mention is that um, when I moved here, um, uh, it was really hard for me to understand racism. Coming from Puerto Rico, you mean? Yeah, so here's the thing. In Puerto Rico, when you're growing up, they teach you, you, don't matter your color, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, you are Spaniard, you are Taino, and you are African. Like, they teach everyone that, like, this is your heritage, these three, you know? Um, because when the Spaniards came to Puerto Rico, you know, they came, like, it was a bunch of men, they came with a bunch of prisoners, so... They just rape a bunch of, like, Taino women, and, you know, like, after that, everything was mixed. Uh, in, you know, like, in contrast to, like, when uh, people came to the United States from uh, Europe, uh, they came with families, you know? So they established their families here, and they like kept reproducing within their own, you know, little circles. So that's different. Um, <clears throat> so when I came here, um, I had a, a friend who uh, was always saying how everything was racist. Like he told me this one time, like, "Oh, the cashier at at the at the." Uh, whatever shop didn't didn't look me in the eye like she was just racist i'm like well all right like was she uh so like it, it was it was hard for me to like f f figure things out because some people were like so radical about it and then some people were like super white guilt about it you know like what does that mean so like i also had like you know some people were just like Oh my God, I'm white. I'm like the worst. Like they would worship people of color, and I was like, I felt really un uncomfortable about that because I was like, all right, so like, I understand that like, white people or you know have a history or whatever with people of color, but like, I don't need you to idolize me, you know, because I'm a human just like you. I just need you to acknowledge that there was a thing that happened, and just try and make a world better, you know? Because for me, like, you know, like now, I just, I feel like, this is getting a little bit serious. Um, uh, I, I don't feel, I don't think that there should be like a race in power, you know? You know? And like, there are some people that have so much white guilt that they're just like, oh, People of color should have all the power. I'm like, well, let's just all share the power. You know, like, like we just, we just all humans. Like, why do we have to like put some people up and some people down? Um, and I just, you know, it just, it's weird for me because I just, 
sometimes I just say I don't understand where all of that like because if you would hear these people just just talking about people of color like they were gods and I'm like like I understand but it's just it's weird <laughs> it's weird and it just throws me off every time that happens um also it throws me off when there's like someone who's like oh this person this person like just looked away for one second like i they hate me it's because i was black i'm black and i'm like all right like you know like I, i i understand that like some people come from like different backgrounds and like in some places it's like that but It's just it's hard to navigate all of this because the, people just come from different places. Like for example, I come from Puerto Rico, where where they tell you like, oh, you're you're white with whites. No, you have black heritage, you know, like because we have white people in Puerto Rico with blue eyes. Like I don't know if people know this, mm-hmm. but we have people of all colors in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you, you know, and you know, and I, I like come here, and everyone's like, oh, I'm like. I'm three quarters Irish. And I'm like, all right, cool. So, like, tell me about your heritage. Tell me about your history. And they, they don't know. They, 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 don't, they don't want to know. They just, it's just a thing that they say to people to just feel, I don't know, I, I, it bothers me because I'm like, why are you telling me that? Like, is it because you want, to know that, you want me to know that you're white? Because <laughs> I can see that, <laughs> you know? Like, what are you, why are you telling me this? What do you gain out of this if you're not just, like, if you're not in, embracing that part of your culture or if you're not, like, looking, investigating, you know? Like, how do you, like, there are some people that are like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like this and this and French and Poland or whatever. I'm like, all right. Like, how do you know that, like, in your line, like, no one in your family ever hooked up with a person of color because there are people that are my color here and they're like oh i'm still white and i'm like i'm like all right but like you're like my color like are you sure that there's that there wasn't like anything in your family you know you know what i mean because i they get so obsessed about like like blood quantums and like you know i'm like all right well that's I don't, can we just all be like humans and can we just like all have sex with each other and create the most beautiful babies ever <laughs> I don't know. For me, I think that the perfect human being would be like a mix of all races. You know, it's like, why is there so much division? I just don't understand. I just, I just wish that everyone would just like love each other and we just like not look at those like small things. Like, why are you telling me that you're three quarters Irish? Like, I don't care. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you tell me that, you better, like, come up, like, you better, like, sing to me in Irish or something after, because, <laughs> oh, oh, God, like, I, that, that just, like, got me sweating and everything, got me all riled up. You need some more water? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I don't know, that's another thing that you, you should know about me, like, this is my take on, like, racism and my experience being a person of color here another experience of me being a person of color here is that you know at first i was like oh people just treat me okay whatever but i also was here in vermont you know i'm like oh people just are so nice i said well, i don't know i don't understand why people say that people here in the u.s are racist or whatnot um but then i've gone to other places and i had like a really rough experience. Well, you know, like, I had a boyfriend. Uh, he's, he was white. 
he didn't understand why I was like so scared of like some stuff. Like for example, um, this one time we were just like gonna play with like uh, toy guns outside, and I was like, I will not, never play with a toy gun outside. And he was like, Oh, well, why? And I was like, Because I'm brown, you know, like. Like, I just saw a bunch of people getting shot because they were, like, putting their hands in their pockets to get their wallets. You know? Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm scared. It's scary. I was scared of, like, driving because I'm, like, you know, I have, like, a higher chance of getting pulled over. And you don't know what cop is going to stop you, you know? There can be a nice cop, or it can be a cop that can just, like, plant something in your car and say, like, oh, you, you, like, Mexican, you, like, do this and that, like, you had, like, drugs in your car, and, like, you know, and then it's, like, the word of, like, a white man, a white policeman against my word, and then it's scary, you know? So I always try to, like, explain to, to my ex, like, oh, this is a thing that scares me. He was just like, oh, you just need to be nice. You just need, you, you, I don't know why you were so scared. Like, you, your mother just, like, scared you. And I'm like, no. Like, this is the thing that happens to people of color. This one time I went to uh, uh, Indiana with him, which is, you know, <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> and uh, and then we had uh, a few experiences once with a, with a cop. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and one uh, with uh, a tall booth operator. Tall? Yeah. yeah. You know? A road toll. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, like, you know, like, these people wouldn't talk to me. Like... What do you mean? Like, for example, uh, you, if you don't have money to pay a toll, mm. um, they will give you a paper that you can just go online and pay it after Uh i didn't have any money coming back from indiana uh and my ex had told me like oh yeah just do this you know just uh just tell them this and that and i was like all right perfect because i didn't have any money so uh we got to the toll uh and i was like so uh, i don't have any money can you give me this and he's like you have to pay like all right but, like, I don't have money. He's like, I don't care. You have to pay. I was like, all right. So I wake up. My ex was sleeping next to me. And I was like, hey, so, like, apparently I can't pay. Like, I have to pay. I don't have any money. I don't know what to do. Um, and he just, like, looked at, at, at the person in, in the booth. And he's like, oh, can you just, like, give us a slip or whatever? And the person didn't say anything else. He just did the thing, gave us the receipt, and let us go. And my ex was like, oh, wow. Like, he was surprised to, like, see that happen. Because I was there talking with that guy for, like, like a while. I'm like, like, please, can you just, like, give me the thing? I will pay it tomorrow or, like, the day after. I just, I just don't have any money right now on me. Um, but as soon as he talked to him, they let us go. And, um, and then I got stopped because I was, I was speeding a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, you know, I, I, got, I got stopped, and the, this policeman was, like, you know, being like, oh, where are you come from? Like, what are you doing? Uh, and, you know, people, like, see that I'm brown, that I have a, 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 a U.S. passport, and they're like, so, like, 
where do you come from? Like, are you originally from here? Like, what happened? Like, just, you know, like, questions that, like, why? I'm giving you a passport. Just, like, there's the information that's right there, you know? Um, but then, like, as soon as, again, he was sleeping, I was like, hey, we got pulled over. And as soon as he was like, oh, can you just, like, give us a ticket and, like, let us go? We really, really in a hurry or whatever. Boom, the policeman just, like, went to his car and just, like, came back with, like, with the ticket and whatnot. You know, like, it's just, it, like, why do you have to make it so complicated for me? <laughs> um, so, so, like, yeah, after, after that, like, he, like, and I, like, told him, let him know, like, yeah, like, you see, like, it, things happen. It was more, more alive in my head. Like, also, like, yeah, this happened. This happened to me. Like, you know, I was discriminated, discriminated against. Um, and that was something that I wasn't used to, obviously, in Puerto Rico. And when I first came here in Vermont, like, I wasn't used to it here either. And, you know, also because there's, there's like, a lot of people here that have, like, that white guilt that I told you about, about, like, just, like, putting people in So, So do they overcompensate then? Is that part of what white guilt is uh overcompensate the uh, person of color um sort of yeah socially do they like overcompensate by their feelings of guilt by treating people of color kind of in like an extra special way sometimes that's how i feel yeah like like i just yeah, like, they're just like, oh, oh my God, I'm, like, the worst just for, like, being white and being a male, and my existence is the worst, and you should just take everything from me, and it's just, like, it's just so weird, it's just so weird, and I feel that it's just, yeah, it's just, like, white guilt, they, like, overcompensate, like, they, like for, for that, you know, you know, it's like, I don't know, I, I ah. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. Every, every time it happens, it's like, why are, you, why are you doing this? What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> I, I even told, <coughs> told some, some people, like, all right, so, like, you need to, like, calm down. Because, like, I understand that we need more visibility and that we need more you know, to be out there, and we definitely are not getting, like, all of the things that we should be having, um, but help me by changing that, you know, help me by help me changing the way other people look at us, not, you don't help me at all by just, I just, Staying in front of me and just being like, oh my god, I'm so, I'm so, oh my god, it's so bad. I'm so sorry, you're the best. You know, it's just, it's so weird. And then, like, and then there's, like, also people that, like, are like that, but, like, sexually, like, they're, they're like, people of color are just, like, the best person in the, you know, like, I'm, I'm, like, all good for, like, you know, diversity and whatever but like it feels a little bit weird because it feels a little bit like fetishizing in a way and also another way it's like but 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 not fetishizing fetishizing in the way of like 
oh my god, you're a person of color, you're definitely better than everyone, oh my god, like, please just, like, take me with you, you know, like, I'm being so bad, I'm being such a bad white person, oh my god, fuck me in the ass, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's weird when it's the other way around, and, like, that, and, and that, and, and, and that way, you know, like, for example, when, um, all right, so, oh, let me explain, not the other way around, it's weird when people, Fetish, like, obviously, like, super weird and fucked up when people fetishize people of color um, by being like, oh, you're a person of color, like, oh, you want this white dick? Yeah, I know, right? But then then it's also, like, super weird when they're like, oh, my God, you're a person of color. I'm, like, such a bad white man. Please, you have to, like, punish me and fuck me in the ass. You know, like, it's weird. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Like... <coughs> I just want to be with a person not because of their color of, of their skin, just because, like, I like them because the people they are, you know? Probably also because we share some kinks. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, why do you have to make it weird? <laughs> you um, mentioned something um, <clears throat> that your ex said. They said that your mother scared you? Right. So, like, just, like, she... Uh, so, I do a lot of things because of, like, what my mother has told me or, like, how my mother raised me or whatever. Like, for example, I... I'm always thinking about what other... about other people. If I do something... Um, I try to, like, you know, make sure that other people are not, uh, like, getting embarrassed or other people are not, like, getting, you know, like, how do you, how do other people feel, you know? And that, it's, like, it's good in some parts because you're, like, you know, you're taking care of your friends and whatever. But it's also, like, you know, you restrict yourself a lot because you're just thinking about, like, am I doing this? Like, are people going to be okay with this that I'm doing, you know? So, like, that happened to me a lot. Um, uh, I don't know. Me and my brother are the same. We are, like, like first, I see a lot of people are, like, oh, we just I just take this and then return it. Like, I would never buy something and then return it, ever. Like, like you know, like, things like that. Just I'm like, the same way. That's so funny. Right? I don't know what it is. I, I, my mom taught me to be like that, you know. She just kind of. Be grateful for the thing that you got? Well, yeah, but... Is that also, kind but, of what it is? But also, like, you know, like... Also, like, she doesn't want to, like, go back to to the person and just, like... you know, Have like, that interaction. Right, just, okay. like, have that interaction, have them go through that, like, you know, like, like all of the void and the thing. And, like, that's, like, things that, like, the pressure that we're putting on the person that's, like you know, at the store, you know, so, so I, I was, I'm like that in a lot of ways, and my ex was always like, like, your mother just like, you know, just scared you to like, you can't do anything now because of this or that, or, and I'm, it's, it's not, it's not, I don't know, I just, I understand what, where he's coming from, because yes, a lot of things that I do is because of the way that my mom raised me, um, but also, I, I don't know. I just think that, like, people should be aware of, like, other people's and, like, you know, like, how they are dealing. Like, my actions affect everyone around me. 
every action that I take affects everyone around me. How do my actions affect people around me? You know, like, um, I don't know. I just don't want other people to be uh, annoyed or uncomfortable or like, you know, being put out of their way because of something that I do or that I said or I don't know. It's it's weird. That's why that's why he, he was like telling me about my mother and stuff just because of the way I was raised and the way I was just like I won't do things or I'm scared of like doing some other things. You mentioned something about um, experiencing barriers when you're trying to move to Montreal. Yes. So, um, so when I tried to move to Montreal, I did some research and I figured out that um, as a U.S. citizen, I can be in Canada for at least six months without a visa. Um, and it's just like a visitor's thing that like United States people like you know uh, can do. Uh, when I got to the to customs at the airport they were like well all right you want to stay here for a few months so like we need you to have at least a thousand dollars per month for that i said that i was gonna be there for six months and they were like all right so where's your six thousand dollars they wanted six grand up front yep canadian (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i don't have that amount of money but I have an inter- I had an audition in McGill University. I was going to audition for um, uh, voice. I am an opera singer, so like I, I wanted to like audition for music history. Um, and because it's a Bachelor of Music, you have to audition with your instrument. Um, and I asked them like, can you just like let me stay here for like two days? I just need to go to this audition. I just need to make this happen. And they were like, nope, sorry, we're going to, like, send you back. And I was like, all right, so, like, can you send me back to Puerto Rico then? And they were like, nope, we're going to send you to Atlanta. (coughs) And I was like, "Uh, why Atlanta? Because here's the thing. They didn't let me be in Canada because apparently I didn't have any money. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't have, like, a stable home or whatever or a place to be. Uh, so they just sent me to Atlanta, where I had no friends, I had no money, no, no place to be. And like, why? Um, apparently, they just sent me to the last place where, you know, like I took a flight. So like, I had a scale flight in Atlanta, and just just sent me back there. And I was like, all right. So I had to when I got to Atlanta, I had to just like rely on my tablet and just like, think quick. I had to um, I. Uh, Ask all of my friends that were that I knew were in the United States, like the continent of the United States. I was like, "Where are you guys? I need a place to stay. I am in Atlanta." Um, a friend from Cincinnati was like, "I'm Cincinnati. If you can like take a bus here." So I, uh, with my tablet, I was just like in the airport, just trying to get a, a bus, and uh, I took a bus to Cincinnati. It took a while. Uh, uh, then I got to Cincinnati, and I stayed there with a friend for like three days. I talked to other friends from uh, Rochester, New York, and they were like, we can, you can stay here for a day, like, overnight, and I was like, all right, so, yeah, I just need to, like, figure out what I'm doing, 
So I took another bus to Buffalo, and they picked me up in Buffalo. They took me to Rochester, New York, and there I st- stayed with them for a night. Um, and then I contacted a friend from New York City, and I was like, I'm in New York, and I just don't have a place to stay. I really want to go back. I really wanted to go back to Montreal to explain in the college. Like, I was here. I had a lot of problems. I could <coughs> excuse me. I couldn't get in. Um, but I wanted to see if they could do. Uh, a late audition for me, like an exception, because like I was there, you know, like please. Um, so I lived in, I went to New York City and I um, stayed with my friend for three months. Uh, no, wait, no, three weeks, sorry. Two months in New York City, three weeks with him, and then like uh, two and a half or three more weeks uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, and I had no money. I didn't, I had like, anyone you know my friend was like always gone because he had to like do other things in albany um and it was rough like some people are like oh i love new york city and like for me new york city was sleeping on the floor just like have no money walking around just like asking people like asking like grander hookups or whatever if they would take me out like to eat because i had i didn't couldn't eat um and then I finally took another bus back to Montreal, and uh, I went to McGill University, and I was like, can you guys do an exception for me, please? Here are all the papers. I was going to come here for an audition. I already had talked with my pianist. Like, please, please, please. And they were like, nope, sorry. You just have to do the whole thing all over again. I was like, fuck. Uh, all right. So I... Stayed there for like two weeks with a friend. Um, Then I came back uh, to New York. And that same day, I took a flight to Puerto Rico. (coughs) Um, And the first thing that I said to my mom when she picked me up was like, I'm leaving again. So like, I just just want you to know that I'm not here forever. I'm leaving again. You said, don't get used to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So... Uh, two months after I was there, you know, like I started working at um, uh, Macaroni Grill as an opera singer uh, for those two months. Like, In Puerto Rico? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I made enough money to like buy a ticket to Vermont because it was the closest thing to Montreal and I really wanted to like try it again. So I was like, I'll just move to Vermont and I'll take a bus. If I need to go to Montreal, you know, it's just like, there and I can just come back, you know. Like I, I can tell at the border. Like here, I, my home is in Vermont. I'm just like, I'm just gonna be here for like a few hours and I'll be back. Um. So, so yeah. So I, so I did that. I moved here with two hundred dollars, and then um, I already told the story about like how the price center helped me with stuff. Um. And I don't know, I, 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 that was four years ago. I haven't done anything, like, to try to move back to Montreal. Because every time I would try and, like, visit, like, every time I go and pass the border, like, they have to take me inside. And they ask me a bunch of questions, like, what are you doing here? When are you leaving? You know, because... <coughs> <coughs> because they're just scared that I'm going to, like, stay there and, like, live there. And I'm like, no, I really don't really, I really don't like you guys anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to stay in Vermont. I'm just, I'm just here for partying and, you know, dick sucking. <laughs>
Um, tell us about your opera singing. How did it all start? All right. So my opera singing. Uh, I always like. I always like to sing. You know. Uh, and when I got to high school, I went there and I started uh, a day that they were doing a choir concert. And I was like, this is beautiful. Oh, my God. I love it. So I auditioned for that choir with my brother uh, and sister. My sister didn't pass. My brother and I passed. Um, and then we were in the choir, and there was, like, an orchestra that was also, like, there. And we were like, oh, my God, we want instruments. So I started playing upright bass as well as singing. <coughs> Oh, I didn't know you played bass as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I have like this. I have a tattoo of a uh, a bass cliff. Is because oh, I used to play okay. bass. Um, <clears throat> and um, and my brother started playing viola and singing. Um, and one of the concerts that we had, that one of the orchestra concerts, this person just sang a beautiful song with the orchestra, and I was like, "Oh my god, I want to sing like that." So, you know, I did some research. Some people call it stalking, but like, I call it research. Um, I did some research. I found the guy, and I sent him a text. And I was like, how? Teach me the way. Like, how do you sing like that? And he told me about the Conservatory of Music of Puerto Rico. And I was like, I want to be there. And from that point on, I, like, tried to train myself a little bit to, like, sing. Uh, I really didn't have a teacher that would tell me specifically how to sing opera but i had youtube uh, so like i really like just watched so many youtube videos on like how to like position your mouth and whatever um and then uh i did an audition and i passed the audition <coughs> my audition was for um music uh music education but like since it's a bachelor's in music, you still have to have a primary instrument. So mine was voice. I started um, studying at the Conservatory of Music of Puerto Rico. And uh, a few months in, I was like, all right, I don't think education is for me. Because the education that they wanted me to like do there was just like for kids. They were like, you're going to be teaching kids about like how to play the recorder. And I was like, all right, well, I want to teach people who actually want to learn music. You know, not people who are just like their parents make them or people, you know, like I, I want to teach music to someone who has the same passion for music as I do. So they were like, all right, so what you can do is you can do opera performance and then you can become, like, you know, an opera teacher. <coughs> so so take the class and then teach the class. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, like, so so for my second year, uh, or, like, for my final test, I decided to do an audition to change majors. Um, so it was a test, but it was also an audition. Uh, and, and I did it and I passed and I passed, uh, uh, the audition for like first year and I started studying, uh, first year and I was at the conservatory of music for like about three years. And then I decided, you know, like opera is really awesome, but everyone that comes here to give us a master class just tell us, just told us that we won't have like a family because you travel, opera singers travel so much, you know, they have like so busy, um, and I was like, I don't know if I want that for my life. You know, like, I, 
I love opera and I love singing, but like I don't know if like that is my life, like what I want from from this. Um, and I discovered music, uh, music history, and musicology, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh, so I just I love music history. I love like I started taking a class at the conservatory, but it was just like a class that everyone needed to take. But I was like, can I make my life around? It's like, oh my god, this is so fun. Um, and I did some research. I talked with the prefect of the um, uh, college. He had uh, he he was a musicologist, and I was like, so like, what do you need to do? to become a musicologist, he's like, start studying music history. And I was like, great, love it, yes. So, yeah, so like that's, uh, that's when I decided that I wanted to study that and Puerto Rico doesn't have a major, a bachelor's major for that, for music history or musicology. So that's when I started looking elsewhere. Um, I first started looking at Italy yeah, because I was like, if I'm going to study elsewhere, I'm going to study in Italy. <coughs> um, so, but then I was also in a professional choir, and uh, we would travel to different places. We went to Colombia, and then we also went to Montreal, and that's when I saw McGill University, because we were staying right next to it. And I was like, this is the place. This is the place. Some people were like, why didn't you move to the United States? I'm like, I don't <laughs> You, do you know what the United States have done to Puerto Rico? I cannot even want to be, to be here. But, you know, when you're outside of the continental United States, it's different. Like, you, what you only see, like, for example, my friends in Puerto Rico right now, what they think uh, of the U.S., what they think of it is Trump. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that was my view on the United States. It's like, oh, Bush. You know, like, this leaders, like, nah. So, um, so it's very interesting to, like, when I came here, I'm like, oh, not everyone is like that. There's a lot of really nice people here. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and then I just decided I'm going to stay here. People are nice. Could you give us an opera sample? Oh, God, I wish, but, like, I, I'm, I'm, like, coughing right now, <laughs> and it's just, it's just going to be, like, a disaster. Okay, well, we don't want that. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about your work in HIV prevention when you were at the Pride Center? Yeah, um, so, you know, I love working at the Pride Center. I love working at HIV prevention. Um, I felt like, you know, it was something I was doing for my community. Like I, I was feeling so happy about it. Um, like I was knowledgeable. People would like ask me questions. I just, I loved helping people that way, you know, and like just being so sex positive. I was like, <coughs> um, it was great, great just being like, yeah, just have, like, here are a few risk reduction things, you know? And risk reduction doesn't always mean condoms. There's, like, a lot of things that you can do to reduce risk. And I love educating people on that because that's one of my like, – I love educating. Like, I do. I love it. I love um, just sharing my knowledge of things. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I love to talk. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, yeah, I um, – I, 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 I love doing that job and I love when like you know like sometimes I was like in the apps or whatever and like people would like ask me like hey so like question about this question about that um, 
it was it was really fun. It was like really amazing to like be connected to the Department of Health and all of the people over there. Um, it was great to be connected to other um, uh, programs uh, like empowerment. Empowerment is like what Glam is here at the Price Center. Um, so empowerment is a is a program that developed in San Fran uh, University of San Francisco in California. Um, and and now it has like a bunch of like different uh, programs all around the country, including Puerto Rico. Which I when I was in Puerto Rico, I I went to like the glam version of Puerto Rico called Nosotros Nosotras. You know, it's like Nosotros, but like with with a with a at symbol at the O. So you know, it's like inclusive. And glam is <clears throat> so. Um, let me explain it to you this way. You know, like if you go if if you see that a clinic is doing um HIV education or whatever like a lot of people are not going to go in because they're like oh well I don't want like professionals to tell me about this or whatever they think it's like a doctor or a clinic or whatever the best way to spread education about like anything is for, you know within peers like peers will listen to each other i will listen to a friend of mine you know so glam's um uh, object like uh, objective i mean is for, uh, to uh, create peer groups and spread HIV education uh, and knowledge that way, you know? Um, so it's comfortable for you, it's comfortable for me, it's comfortable for, like, other people around, you know? Um, you um, We create... Oh, I'm still thinking that I'm, like, here at the Press Center. but like You are here at the Press <laughs> Center. Uh, so Glam creates... Uh, educators, you know, that's the main thing, and the way that they recruit uh, people or like they like spread that knowledge is to invite people out. Let's have fun. So the gays really are recruiting people. Well, <laughs> you, to spread the to spread the good word the good word about prep. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like you know, like we used to like do um, a lot of. <clears throat> fun events like Glam still does it with Travis and uh, Taylor uh, so yeah but we it, 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 it's 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 fun it's nice it's a really amazing job that the Price Center is doing it's a really amazing job that I love to do what does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look like to you it's very minimal uh, but I'm glad that there's like things like the Cutie Pox, uh group, you know, that is uh, gathering these people. I feel like uh, some people that come, some black people that come here from other places have it really rough because like I've heard some people be like, so where's the hood? You know, like, where are my brothers? And I'm like, well, not here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so it's, it, you know, it's, it's definitely rough. Uh, I definitely think that we at least have each other's back. Um, <coughs> I'm so happy whenever I found, whenever I find people who speak Spanish or are Latino like me, I'm like, yay, oh my God, I wanted to speak Spanish for so long. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, I, it's, it's just such a relief every time that I can find someone that I can relate to and that I can talk to about these things or, like, how I feel. Sometimes I feel very, like, very secluded and very, like, away from my culture and very away from, like, all of, like, who I am uh, as a brown person. And it just, every time I, I, I talk with someone, like, a person of color, I just, like, you understand, <laughs> at least, you know, partially, because, you know, like, Obviously, I'm Puerto Rican. Not everyone is Puerto Rican, so they don't understand that part of my of my life. But they understand what it is to live as a person of color here in Vermont, and like it can be really isolating. It can be really rough. It you know if you're used to a, a, like something like a culture or um uh, uh, God. um what's that thing that they always ask you like it's ethnicity if you're if, if you're like uh, used to an ethnicity uh th then you like come here and it's just like all right i don't have my crew i don't have my people um it's a little bit hard to adjust um but yeah i think we should uh i'm so happy that, about the cutie pox and i think we should just do more things like that i'm also very happy every time i hear salsa <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it just, it, 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 yeah. It takes over me. Like every time I hear salsa, every time I hear Latino music, every time I smell like the tostones that I was making the other day, I was just like, just, it just takes over me, and I'm just like, yes, this is me. This is who I am, and I'm just like, I'm so happy every time it happens because it just like it reminds me that. I am Carlos, I am Puerto Rican, I am Caribbean, which is another thing that every every time people are like, so like, you, so have you seen like, there's like these papers, like every time you like do an HIV test or like do a, like anything, they ask you for like ethnicity and race. So I can put my ethnicity, because it's Hispanic or Latino. I am both those things, I'm Hispanic and Latino. And, but then there's like race, and I'm like, it's so, um, I don't know because there's like uh, white, black, Asian, um, Pacific Islander, um, Hawaiian, <coughs> and I'm like, well, I always like to put myself uh, my own race, and I always put Caribbean because even though I'm Latino and I'm Hispanic, I think that Caribbeans are very, very different from like the rest of like you know, like Latin America. Um, we have our own culture. Uh, that is very different from the rest of Latin America, and I just like I get so upset every time. Every time people are like, "Oh yeah, no, like, like Mexicans and Puerto Ricans are like the same, right? You have like, the same culture." I'm like, "No, I come from an island, first of all, so like that is like completely different. Yeah, there's like a culture right there, just like being an islander, um, and just like the Caribbean has so much, uh, so much more black heritage." so much more African heritage than the rest of uh, uh, Latin America, you know? Like, our food, our food is all, all came from Africa, you know? Um, our music, salsa. Like, salsa, at, in the beginning, salsa was just uh, santeria. It was just like, if you, hear, if you listen to it, it's just, it's African religion, you know? Um, <coughs> 
the drums, like all of this, all of this uh, like amazing things. Like you know, so like bomba, bomba is is something. It's like the traditional dance from Puerto Rico. It is very much African, and you know, like when they compare me to like other places in uh, Latin America, I'm like no. They are more native there, you know, more like, you know, people have more culture of like the natives that live there than African. We have more culture of like, our culture is more African than more, than a lot of Taino and then like a little bit white. <laughs> we use a lot of like uh, Taino uh, words, uh, like guineo, that's how we call bananas. Uh, uh, my grandma still calls the patio bate. Um, so yeah, we, yeah. I like to talk a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> so when do you feel most brown and out? Every time I'm like out, just like dancing salsa, like dancing, like dancing is something that is like very like me and very like yeah very brown for me <laughs> um absolutely um and you know it's like definitely brown definitely out because because i can turn that that dance floor Ooh, i've i've gone dancing like my high heels i'm like check me out i'm here i'm brown i'm i'm brown i'm out and i am going to show you how to dance with high heels like you better like pay attention. <laughs> I'm paying uh, attention. Um, and also, absolutely, when I like talk with my uh, with my uh, peers, they're uh, all also brown and out. <laughs> I have a friend, uh, Javier. Uh, every time I talk with Javier, it's just like, yay! It's, uh, it's so nice to talk in Spanish and like talking, you know, like just talk about our cultures because obviously Argentina is very different from like Puerto Rico but we can like, we have some things that we can relate you know like we at least have seen some telenovelas <coughs> and there's some like music that is also like uh, very similar but yeah I don't know music music is something that always brings out the Latino in me and this always makes me feel that I'm at home like when it's like the right music you know what I mean I do. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Carlos. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm sorry I talked so much. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. And, um, yeah, anytime. <laughs>